Well, can I just share with you that in my lifetime, I have told my fair share of lies. Now, as you might imagine, that's hard for me to stand up here and admit as a pastor. I would certainly tell you that I don't consider myself a liar, but there are certainly many examples that I could share with you, and I think I've shared this story with you before a couple years ago, but one story that came to my mind is that when I was 15 years old, I, was, I had heard about a job opening driving an ice cream truck. It's called the Jolly Roger. And I mean, this, this truck was, I mean, it was, it had everything. It had the soft frozen machine, ice cream machine, and the freezers and all that. And so I wanted, to, I wanted a job on this truck, so I applied for it. And uh, the owner said, well, I'm sorry, Steve, but you're only 15, and I need somebody that can drive the truck. And so I said, all right. And then he said, but I'll tell you what, if you can find another person that wants to be the driver, I'll hire you both. I thought that was great, so I went out to my cousin, Wes, and I said, Wes, I found us a job, man. And uh, he said, uh, I said, driving this ice cream truck, and he said, well, Steve, I don't know how to drive a manual transmission. I don't know how to drive a stick shift. And so I was about to give up, and I thought about it, and I said, I do. So I said, don't worry about it, you just leave that to me. And so we took the job. I was really excited to get started on this job. And so we would show up to work this first afternoon and we got there and I didn't think the owner was gonna be there, but there he stood. He wanted to see us off to see if there's any questions that we had. And I was almost in a panic thinking, now how am I gonna pull this off? And so just about the time I was ready to confess to him that you know Wes has a driver's license, but he doesn't know how to drive a manual transmission, I got this great idea. So I said to Wes, I said, uh, just start up the engine, put in the clutch, and coast it to the bottom of the hill. And once we get to the bottom of the hill, I'll drive the rest of the time. And so that's what we did. And so literally for the next, uh, we only had that job for six weeks, and uh, uh, he let us go because I, I believe we were eating up all the profits. But um, for the entire six weeks, I drove, and he never knew the difference. He had no clue that I had been lying to him about who was driving the truck. Friends, if we had time today, honestly, I could give you several other examples of times in my life where I have lied in one way or another for my own selfish benefit. Now, I'm not a compulsive liar or an embezzler or a thief, but there have certainly been those times in the past that I've been, well, let's just say I've been less than honest when I found it convenient. But before you judge me too harshly, I believe that most of you, if not all of you in this room, have told a lie of one type or another, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. Maybe you've twisted the truth to keep from hurting someone, or, or maybe you misled an individual to uh, achieve something that you wanted, or exaggerated, or embellished a story so that you'd look good. While you might not define yourself as a liar, I think we've all been guilty at one time or another. Well, as you know, we've been in a series called Creatures of Habit. It's based on my new book uh, by the same name, Breaking the Habits That Are Holding Us Back from God's Best in Our Life. If you haven't picked up a copy, I really do believe, and I know it's my own book, but I really do believe this book will be timeless because these are habits, uh, these are actually 12 habits that I've struggled with in my life, and I believe they're 12 habits that most people struggle with in their life, and every chapter has the steps that you can take to break this bad habit and create a good habit. And so I really do believe in that sense it's a timeless book and that there may be 
maybe a couple years from now, you're struggling with a habit and you can go to that particular chapter and work those steps and I believe it really will be of help to you. I also think the, the book is great for a Bible study, but I also think it's great for discipleship. If you get a new Christian, uh, so many times um, a new believer doesn't understand how to break these habits, and so I think it's great for discipleship as well. I also think it's a great way to put your kids to sleep. So, uh, um, <laughs> so Brad and Paige Young sent me this picture that their, that their little boy asked them, he, every night, Dad reads to him a book before he goes to sleep, and, and so the little boy asked if he would read him Pastor Steve's book, and so he's been reading him that book uh, every night, and I've heard that he falls asleep much quicker than he's ever <laughs> fallen to sleep before, and uh, we were just in Kansas City last week speaking, and, and uh, my uh, nephew and niece live there, and uh, their daughter loves to read. She's 10 years old and she loves to read. And so she asked her mom and dad, she said, can I read Uncle Steve's book? And they thought about it and they said, yes, you can read Uncle Steve's book as long as you promise us that you won't read the chapter on lust. And so she agreed that she wouldn't read that chapter and so now she's reading the book as well. And so anyway, if you haven't picked up a book, in all seriousness, I do think it'll be of help. And I'm gonna be out there afterwards. If you want me to sign it, I'd love to sign it. Friends, let me just say this. I think we underestimate, and I've mentioned this every weekend in this series, but I think we greatly underestimate the power of habits in our life. Our lives, whether we get this or not, our lives are a culmination of habits, good or bad. I've said this every week, but psychologists and neurologists have both done studies, and they found that 40% of everything we do during a day is done out of habit. Think about that. 40% of everything we do during a day is done out of habit. You don't even give it a thought. It just becomes second nature. So it's important to understand that those habits will become a part of our identity. They'll become a part of our reputation or how people see us. So if you always tell the truth, then people will think of you as a person of integrity. But if you're always complaining, they might describe you or identify you as a complainer. See, guys, and, and I've also shared with you that before you invited Christ into your life, sin had a grip on you. Sin had a hold on you. But when you invite Jesus Christ to come into your life, it, that sin, that hold is broken. And God gives us the power to say no to sin. And yet Christians will say, well, if I have the power to say no to sin, how come after three years as a believer, or five years as a believer, or 10 years as a believer, I'm still struggling I still feel stuck. I still feel like I can't get anywhere in my spiritual journey. And the reason is, is because you have all these bad habits that you've developed over a lifetime that you're not dealing with. You didn't get them overnight and you're not gonna break them overnight. And so even though you're a Christian or believer, you have to be intentional that I'm gonna break these bad habits and establish more good habits in my life. There is nothing that will make a greater, listen to me on this, guys. There is probably no step that you can take that will bring greater spiritual growth in your life than dealing with habits. And it was amazing when I did the research to find out how much of the scripture, it calls them different things, but how much of the scripture actually deals with bad habits in our life. But dealing with those will help you grow in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so, if you ignore it, they'll keep you from God's best. I can't say that enough. And so, 
We said to you before that a bad habit in scripture is basically called a spiritual stronghold. A bad habit is called a spiritual stronghold. A bad habit gets a grip on you, gets a hold on your life. And, it, and if you continue it on, it eventually becomes an addiction in your life. Now, of course, some habits are worse than other habits, but I feel like lying, can I just tell you, I, be, I believe that lying is at the top of the list, or at least one of the top. Because a lie comes from a dishonest nature. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so therefore, if what your mouth is speaking is untruths, if what your mouth is speaking is a lie, then you have taken on um, the pattern of the enemy, the pattern of Satan, because that's his character, that's his nature. But what God wants us to do is take on the nature of Christ, which is honesty and integrity. And so what happens is that we, we lie and then we pick up, maybe the next day we lie again, and we continue to do that until before we know it, it's no longer an emotional response or something coming from the heart, but now all of a sudden we've created this pattern, this unconscious pattern of lying. Now we find ourselves lying when we don't even need to lie, when it's not even necessary. It's just become second nature for us. Unfortunately, in the world that we live today, most people don't think lying is that big of a deal. I mean, we shrug it off. There used to be a time everybody thought, oh my gosh, that's a horrible thing that you would do is, the, is to lie. But now we just don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, come on, it's just a part of life, right? Why get so upset when someone exaggerates? Why do you get so upset because someone fabricates? Why do you get so upset because someone misresents or, or tells a little white lie? I mean, we live in a day where we've all been bombarded with falsified resumes overstated ads, fake news, loopholes, and cover-ups. We see it everywhere from politics to the internet to social media. Pamela Meyer, uh, who is the author of Lie Spotting, she claimed in her TED Talk that we're facing a pandemic of deception. We're facing a pandemic of deception. She says, we are actually lied to between 10 to 200 times a day. Think about that. You may, end, end, you may come to the end of your day and not think anybody's lied to you, but the odds are you've been lied to more than you realize. We are lied to between 10 to 200 times a day. There was a, there was a movie several years ago, some of you may remember, it's, it's been a while back, but it was called Something's Gotta Give with Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson. And there's a scene where Diane Keaton catches the man that she thinks she loves out on a date with another woman. And so she runs out of the restaurant, she's upset with Jack Nicholson chasing after her. When he finally stops her, he pleads with her. He says, I have never lied to you. I have always told you some version of the truth. <laughs> and she replies, the truth doesn't have versions. And guys, that is the reality we all need to face. The truth doesn't have versions. And yet it's become so common for people to only mention parts of the truth that they feel that are, that parts of the truth that they feel are acceptable or, or that they think people want to hear, leaving the full truth hidden away somewhere, which is basically creates an untruth or a lie. Several years ago, Leo uh, Burnett Advertising Agency did a telephone survey online on the topic of lying. And I thought the results, I don't know about you, but I thought the results were pretty startling. Let me give you some of the stats that they found out. 
They said, get this, wrap your brain around this. On that, they, they interviewed, I don't know how many thousands of people, but several thousands of people were, were done on this phone interview survey. And they found that 91% of those interviewed said they regularly lied. 91% of those interviewed on this survey said they regularly lied. 79% said they had given out a false phone number or invented a new identity when meeting a stranger on an airplane. Now that's wild. 79%. And 20% admitted they didn't get through a single day without going along with a previously manufactured lie. And I think this next point is really kind of funny in a way. Can you guess what they discovered that we lied about the most? Our weight. <laughs> our weight. And the reason I think that's funny is because we lie about our weight and yet it's the one thing you can't conceal. It's the one thing you're sitting there saying, no, I've lost weight, and they're going, I don't think so. <laughs> Years ago, I, I had a, a, a business partner, honestly, my brother-in-law, and uh, we were in California, we, we were in business together, and we were in California, and we were taking a kind of a puddle jumper, we were taking a short little flight, it was less than an hour, it was like 40 minutes, and it was on a prop plane, and, uh, and so we're up at the counter, and, uh, and so the, the ticket gal says to me, sir, how much do you weigh? And so I said, why do you need to know? And she said, well, we need to know how much every passenger weighs on this plane because we're limited on weight. So I told her how much I weighed and she turns to my brother-in-law and, and she said, sir, how much do you weigh? Now you gotta know, Gary was about 400 pounds. He's a big boy. And he's since lost a lot of that, but at the time he was a big boy. And he told her a figure, in the low threes, and I looked at him and I said, brother, now is not a time to lie about your weight. <laughs> in that same survey, it said that money is the second most common thing that we lie about, and the third most common thing that we lie about is our age, which reminded me of another story that read about a woman who introduced her 35-year-old daughter to all of her friends as being 24 years old. Later, the girl came up to her mother and she said, why did you lie about my age? And her mother said, I realized that I'd been lying about my age for so long that I'd have to lie about your age for it to make any kind of sense. <laughs> Teachers expect to hear my dog ate my homework. Policemen expect to hear my speedometer is off. But Christians, please listen to me. God hates lying. I don't care if the culture is more acceptive of lying than it's ever been before. It doesn't matter because God's not changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he hates lying. In fact, in Proverbs chapter six, it lists seven things that God hates. Look at it. It says there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things. He, de he detests haughty eyes. Look at it. A lying tongue. He detests haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that raise to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. So there are seven things that it clearly states that God hates, and two of those things refer to lying. Two out of the seven have to do with us telling untruths. Why is God so opposed to lying? Because guys, think about it. It's so contrary to his nature. 
Look at how Jesus described his character in John chapter 14, verse six. As he's, as he's trying to help us understand who he is, he says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I, I, I'm not just a way, I am the way. I don't just tell the truth, I am the very definition of truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. In other words, guys, he didn't conform to some standard of truth, he is the standard. Do you understand? It's not that God has decided not to lie. Now, please get this, I want you to understand this. It's not that God has decided not to lie. But friends, he can't lie because anything he says will come into being, even if it didn't exist before. Therefore, as, listen, therefore, as children of God, we're called to exemplify Christ by making truth a priority in our life. So I, I, what I'm wanting you to see at this point is how important it is that we be truth tellers, how important it is that we be men and women of integrity. Because on the other hand, that's the nature of Jesus. On the other hand, when it comes to the devil, Jesus said in John chapter eight, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. We just got through talking about the nature of Christ, that he is the very definition of truth. But on Satan, on the other hand, is the very opposite. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. Lying is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I've heard it said before that a man is never more like the devil than when he's telling a lie. A person is never more like Satan than when they're telling a lie. In Proverbs chapter 12, it says the Lord detests, that's a pretty strong word, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. You see, it's important to understand that lying can come in many different forms, and this is why so many people today, hear me please, this is why so many people today say, well, I would never lie. I, I don't know what you're, you know, when I, said, when I said just a few minutes ago that probably every one of you in this room have lied at one point in your life, there are many of you that would say, well, you'd be incensed at that. I've never lied because we don't understand all the different things that we can do that fall into lying. For example, deception is lying. Mark Twain was right when he said this. He said, the difference between a person who tells the truth and tells a lie is that the liar has gotta have a better memory. Lies paint you into a corner because you now have to live in this phony little world that you've created. You have to keep track of every lie that you've told and who it was that you told them to. Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, it says, so stop telling lies. I mean, Paul's a little frustrated here. He's speaking to these new believers in the church at Ephesus, and he's a little frustrated with them. And so he says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Healthy relationships are built on trust. That is common in any kind of relationship, whether you're talking about your marriage, whether you're talking about a family member, whether you're talking about one of your closest friends. Every healthy relationship is built on trust. If a husband lies to his wife, let's say the husband lies to his wife when he tells her that he's working late, but then he goes to the bar with his buddies. Well, later she finds out that he lied, and instantly, hear me please, instantly that foundation of trust in the relationship begins to crumble. She then starts to wonder, why is this such an important thing? You say, well, is it really that big a deal that he went to the bar? It's really not. 
It's not the idea that he went to the bar, it's the idea that he lied to his wife because she then starts to wonder. She then starts to, she begins to question everything. Can she trust anything that he's ever said to her? And it can work both ways. And while going to the bar was not that big of a deal, him lying to her was a big deal. And it may actually take, listen to me, you you may think I'm overstating this, but I don't believe I am. It may take months, if not years, to reestablish that same level of trust that they once shared. Lying to your spouse can crush her spirit. And what's really ironic, I think, about deception is that we will tell a lie, listen to me, we will tell a lie because we want people to think the best of us. Is that ironic or what? It's crazy. We will tell a lie because we want people to think the best of us. We'll say things like, you know, the check's in the mail. Leave your resume and we'll keep it on file. Open wide, this won't hurt. Listen, whenever or however we distort the truth, I'm just telling you guys, it's still a lie. Another form of lying is gossip. Gossip. Gossip has become entertainment in our culture. Not only do people not think it's a problem, it's literally become entertainment in our world. We love, we love to hear and spread gossip. You hear it in homes, you hear it around the office, you hear it at parties, you hear it on social media, you hear it in tabloids, you hear it on television. And we consider it innocent fun. But I'm telling you, it's not innocent to the one that's hurt by it. And when it comes to the media, I mean, think about this. When it comes to the news media, it used to be that you could count on the press to fact check everything that they printed. Well, guys, those days are gone. Accusations or hearsay are shared without any proof or evidence, oftentimes destroying people's credibility, oftentimes doing more damage to their, to their life than you could ever begin to imagine. You hear people say things like, you know what, I probably shouldn't tell you, but I know it won't go any farther. Do you do that? I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I know it won't go any farther. And unfortunately, many Christians will spread gossip packaged as prayer requests. You know what, I'm only telling you this so you'll pray. And we think somehow that makes it okay. Friends, no matter how spiritual you try to make it sound, when you repeat gossip, it is wrong. You are lying. Because you don't, when gossip is, is something that you, is hearsay. Gossip is something that has never been proven. You don't know it for a fact, but you're spreading as, a, as if it were a fact. Years ago, there was a rumor in the newspaper that the great American writer Mark Twain had died. Mark Twain responded back to the editor of the paper by saying the reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. Most of us are like the guy that said, I just, I just want my friends to know it's not me that starts all of these rumors, it's those people that I tell them to. The next one is cheater, the cheater. When a student cheats on a test, he's lying to his teacher. When a salesperson writes down more expenses than they've incurred, he's lying to his employer. When someone falsifies expenses on a tax return, he's lying to the government. It is cheating and it is a lie any way you wanna cut it. The next one is flattery. This is when you tell someone what you think, listen, this is when you tell someone what you think will make them feel good in order to gain an advantage for yourself. And it's so easy to fall for this type of deception. And that's what it is, it's deception. The next one, the next form of lying is exaggeration. 
This is when you purposely overstate the truth so that you will look good or so that you can convince someone to do something you want them to do. Maybe you're upset with your neighbor. You're so frustrated because your neighbor's doing something and so you go over to talk to your neighbor about it and, and you'll say what? You say, you know what? Uh, I think you need to know that all the neighbors are upset about this. When in fact, no one else in the neighborhood even knows about it. No one else in the neighborhood is, is even upset about it. But you make that statement, you exaggerate to try to give it weight so that you hope that you'll get them to do what you want them to do. You overstate your experience on a resume or hyperbolize when someone has done it to you. To exaggerate, listen to me guys, to exaggerate actually takes the truth and turns it into an untruth. Think about that. To exaggerate takes a truth and turns it into an untruth by completely overstating it. Another form of lying is silence. This one might surprise you, silence. Maybe you hear something that, that you know is not true, but instead of speaking up, instead of saying something, you just remain silent. Of course, if they confront you about it and say, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you speak up? And your, your argument is, I didn't lie to you. I just didn't mention it. I didn't, I didn't tell you an untruth. I just didn't say anything. By purposely leaving out important information, you are, in fact, misleading them. Listen, to know the truth and not speak up is a form of lying. It's complicity by passivity. It's complicity by passivity. Why didn't you tell me you were married? You didn't ask. In my case, the owner of the ice cream truck believed that Wes was driving the whole time. He had a driver's license and he made no other assumption that Wes would be driving. I allowed him to believe that untruth. He didn't ask, so I didn't tell. I remained silent. And of course, I didn't feel any guilt over this because I justified in my own mind that I didn't lie to him. I didn't tell him, I, I didn't tell him that I was driving and Wes was not. But my failure to tell my employer that I was driving could have caused some serious problems. Think about it. I was illegally driving that truck. If I would have had an accident, or worse yet, God forbid, if I would have hit a child, my employer, as well as my parents, could have been held responsible for something they didn't even know anything about. Nobody had a clue but Wes and I. No one knew. Leaving out significant facts starts the habit of silent deception. Another one is broken promises. Broken promises. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, it says, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompted in fulfilling whatever you promised him. For the Lord your God demands that you promptly, this is, this is a big one. Guys, don't miss this, because again, this is one of these areas that we try to make excuses for and try to justify in our own mind. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promised him. For the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows or you will be guilty of sin. We don't think about breaking a promise as a lie, but, in, but, but it actually is. Whether it's a promise to pay a debt or a promise to take your kids to the zoo or a promise to be faithful to your spouse. When you break that promise, you have in fact lied to your kids. You have in fact lied to your spouse. When you don't keep your word, it is a lie. I heard one person define integrity as doing what you say you're gonna do. That's integrity. Doing what you say you're gonna do, and if you wanna stretch that definition out just a little bit more, it's doing what you say you're gonna do even when no one is watching. God tells us to not bear false witness. He tells us to be people of truth, to be honest to the core, and always do what you say you're gonna do. 
You know, there's an, there's an old saying that I'm sure you've heard before that says honesty is the best policy. Honesty is the best policy. The reason that every one of us have heard that before in our lifetime is because it's true. It's a true statement. While some habits are certainly worse than other habits, I believe lying, as I said to you a few minutes ago, I believe lying is right up there near the top. If we ignore it, it will become second nature. It will become an unconscious pattern in our life, and it'll begin to feel more comfortable than telling the truth. That's the danger in these habits, is that we don't even give them a thought anymore. So therefore, we're not even feeling guilt over them anymore because it's become an unconscious pattern. It's just become second nature. So we just do it. It's just the way we respond because we've established a habit in our life. Lying is destructive. I don't know how else to define that. Lying is destructive and it will eventually lead to painful consequences. It will hinder your personal life and your personal relationships as well as your spiritual development. And it'll cause you to fall short of God's plan or God's purpose for your life. Listen, every destructive habit leads to painful consequences. Everyone you wanna talk about. Every destructive habit leads to painful consequences, and yet I think out of all the topics in my book, there's 12 of them, if we don't break this habit of lying, listen to me, none of the others will matter. If we don't break this habit of lying, none of the others will matter. To have someone call you a liar is very offensive, isn't it? And we quickly get defensive. We quickly declare that we are not a liar. Don't call me a liar, I'm not a liar. And we have several excuses, and maybe they point out a specific example to say, well, you are. You lied in this situation. And we quickly have several excuses as to why we had to tell a lie in that situation. But I'll say it again. Once we develop a habit of telling lies, we will then become known because our habits always identify us. We will then become known by our friends and family as a liar. And the way they'll describe you to other people as someone that's really not quite honest. Or worse yet, they are really deceptive. They are really dishonest. So the first thing we need to do is what? The first thing we need to do is own it. We need to admit it. We need to acknowledge that this is a problem in our life. Mark Twain said, a man is never more truthful than when he acknowledges himself a liar. That's a good statement. A man is never more truthful than when he acknowledges himself a liar. Quickly, let's look at six steps. And again, I'm just briefly giving these to you, but let me give you six steps you can take to break a habit in your life. You may want to write them down. Number one is do damage control. Do damage control. Once you take responsibility for lying, then what do you need to do? You need to confess it to God. You need to own it to God. You need to ask God to forgive you for that. He, and, and you say, oh gosh, I just hate to admit this to God. Listen, he's heard every lie you've ever told. He knows it anyway. And then once you've confessed it to God, I would start each day by asking God to give you the strength to always tell the truth. You know you've created a bad habit. The way to break that bad habit is by creating a good habit of truthfulness. And so if you've acknowledged it to God, is asking for God's help every day. And then I would also ask God to show you, is there someone that I've misled? Is there someone that, I, that I've told an untruth to and I've not, I've not dealt with it? And it still needs to be addressed. If there is, then I would encourage you to go to those people and to make it right. Decide from this day forward that, decide from this day forward that if you ever tell a lie, that you are gonna make yourself, you're gonna be intentional, and if I ever tell a lie, I'm gonna go back to that person and I'm gonna admit to them that I deceived them and that I was wrong and ask them to forgive me. 
I just need to restate something. Maybe you go up to somebody and you say, I just need to restate something I said to you earlier that was not truthful. I just need you to know that I misspoke when I explained that to you earlier. Guys, I know this would be hard, but if you're serious about breaking a habit of lying in your life, this is one of the consequences that I would encourage you to take on. That you say, if I ever do, if I, if I mislead somebody, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna make it right. Make a commitment, listen. Making this commitment will cause you to think twice before you tell another lie. The second step is to tame the tongue. The scripture has a lot to say about our speech, doesn't it? Most of it about the need to control our speech. If you genuinely want, if you genuinely want God's best in your life, honesty is not just the best policy, it's the only policy that will honor God. First Peter chapter three says, for the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Man, I don't know how much more clarity we need. It's like, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. As I've already pointed out, your tongue is a significant player in your walk with the Lord. The scripture talks about that oftentimes. James chapter three says in verse two, indeed we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect, in other words mature, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Guys, we need to control our tongues. Step three, speak truth lovingly. Speak truth lovingly. While some people are very honest, they're also insensitive to people's feelings. You know, love needs to be, you know, we, we certainly, God wants us to be truth tellers, but we need to do it with the heart and attitude of love. A love for God and a love for others. Love needs to be our filter. It kind of reminds me of the fourth grade class that sent a card to their teacher who had been absent because she was recovering from surgery. And they said to their teacher in this card that they sent her, Dear Mrs. Fisher, your fourth grade class wishes you a speedy recovery by a vote of 15 to 14. <laughs> the problem with children is not that they're too honest. It's that they just haven't learned to speak the truth in love. Listen to me, guys. At the end of the day, you may not, listen, at the end of the day, people may not remember what you said, and they may forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Step four, develop accountability. This is a big one. This is true for any bad habit in our life. Listen, if, if no one is holding you accountable, my friends, it's easy to fall back into the same old patterns, because what did we say a habit was? A habit is an unconscious pattern and it's easy to fall back into those patterns, the pattern of deception. You see, accountability and execution, accountability and execution are linked. Accountability provides you with some guardrails, some barriers to keep you on the road to recovery. So therefore, it's so important for us to find a friend, somebody that loves us, that's willing to hold us accountable, someone that's willing to ask you the tough questions. You know, have you lied this week? You need somebody that's willing to get in your face because they care and say, have you lied this week? Have you exaggerated this week? Have you misled anyone this week? Step five, understand the pressure to lie. Understand the pressure to lie. There are several things that can make us feel the pressure to lie. Ask yourself, why is this situation so important to me that I'm willing to lie about it? What is it? 
Addicts often feel the pressure to lie to cover their addiction. Others are afraid of not being liked, so they lie. Or then others fear not wanting, they don't want to disappoint someone, so they'll lie in order to keep people pleased with them. Regardless of what's causing you to lie in the end, it'll bite you if you don't stop. The sixth step is practice integrity. Jesus told the parable of the shrewd manager and he said in Luke chapter 16, he said, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're gonna break the habit of lying, you have to be truthful in every single area of your life. So decide you're gonna be a person of integrity. Again, guys, regardless what the culture thinks, lying is a problem. Regardless what everybody around you thinks, lying is a problem. And God has made it clear in scripture that he absolutely detests it, he hates it. So decide, this is gonna be a habit that I break in my life, and it starts today.